Q, I knew it. What's going on? It's Judge Q to you. And isn't it obvious what's going on? The last time that I stood here was seven years ago. Seven years ago? How little do you mortals understand time? Must you be so linear, Jean-Luc? You accuse me of being the representative of a... a barbarous species. I believe my exact words were a dangerous, savage child race. Greetings, mortals, and welcome to a podcast, But Evil. I'm Doug Leaf. I'm Dan Oster. And this week we're talking about Star Trek's Q. So if you were signing in to talk about James Bond or right-wing conspiracy theories, you're out of luck. But uh, this week we have a special guest with us. We have someone who is a dyed-in-the-wool Trekkie and a professional podcaster in his own right. Uh, he is one half of the Bald Move podcasting empire, and they've covered all your favorite shows, uh, episode-by-episode coverage from A to Z, from Breaking Bad to Game of Thrones, currently doing Westworld and, and pretty much everything in between. He's also the author of two books on the religions of Game of Thrones. It is called... Oh my God, I'm blinking of it and I own them. Uh, Gods, Gods of Thrones. Thrones. <laughs> Thank you. Volumes one and two. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a podcast but evil, Mr. A. Ron Hubbard. Yes. Thank you. That's quite the introduction. I appreciate that, Doug. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Did been, Doug uh, offend you at the gate by calling you a Trekkie? No, I, I'm I'm agnostic on those labels. <laughs> uh, I know there's there's some consternation between Trekker and Trekkie, but uh, right. you know we're all nerds. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of the people that get uh, in comedy that get all bent out of shape. Uh, it's like skit versus sketch. You know, uh, <laughs> I think when you start out writing comedy, you are you get all mad about that. But the longer you do it, the more you go like, eh. Serious business comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I, they're all skits to me. I've come back around. <laughs> well, Aaron, I'm glad we've got you here because one thing I know about you from listening to your podcast is that when there is a, a, a fictional universe and lore to be found, you're the kind of guy that wants to go really deep on all the little like nooks and crannies of that lore. And when it comes to Star Trek, I mean, in addition to... The many series, you've got all these extra novels and video games and God knows what else. And I, I'm ho- I, I had a, a sneaking suspicion you'd be bringing your, your A-game to this one. I hope so. Maybe before we even get into the usual stuff, um, how, did, how did you come to find Star Trek and Q in particular? Like, were you, was this something you saw when you were young or – yeah, um, my dad and I did not have very many common interests, but my dad did like old schlocky science fiction. And I remember fondly, you know, watching like old Doctor Who episodes with him on PBS. And I think I was six or seven when they started playing Star Trek on the old Star Trek series on like Saturday mornings at whatever network affiliate we had in southern Indiana. And I immediately, you know, I was always in into science fiction and space shows. And here you've got this, you know, if everyone's running around, they got laser pistols and they're beaming around. And there's uh, I remember being scared of like the salt vampire and the Horta. And I just really enjoyed it. And I got really into Star Trek. And then, you know, when I was, I guess, around in third grade, the next generation is like between third and fourth grade, the next generation hit. And like me and the other like four nerdy boys in my school were just all about it. And like we were so excited. And, you know, here's like an even a bigger starship and it's got a robot <laughs> on it. And I and I, I got really into it. I've got the in fact, I actually have it right here. I got the uh, 
Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, technical the technical manual. manual, baby. This is like an oh, this is original printing right here. You gotta Man. have it. <laughs> I, I got I read all the novels. Um, I watched all this year. I, I've, I've got like almost all of the Next Generation episodes memorized. I love Deep Space Nine. And then like at some point, like I kind of fell out of love with Star Trek. It was, it was something about halfway through Voyager. Where I'm just like, you know what? This isn't my track. And I kind of <laughs> checked out and really hadn't checked back in until like the the Abrams movies. Wasn't that J.J. Abrams? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I also, I tried giving Disco Star Trek Discovery a try. Uh, that didn't stick. Um, I did make it through all the way through Picard. I thought that was, you know, my, my enthusiasm for Patrick Stewart carried me through some of the silly shit in that. <laughs> but uh, it's a great concept, and I think, or it's, it's a great show. I have a lot of affection for Star Trek. I hope that one day they'll, they'll make another kind of like hopeful, optimistic, forward-thinking Star Trek. But uh, I also think that Q is one of the great villains of all time. This is probably a good segue for our, our first segment that we like to do. So, I, Aaron, I know you have you're coming in hot with all of the knowledge. Dan's division of labor here is to do no research for the podcast. And so nice. we like to quiz him up top by asking Dan, what do you know about Q without having done any studying? Right. I live out sort of the podcaster's nightmare each time. You know, I'm in my <laughs> underwear. Unprepared. No <laughs> outlines. But but I, I I am a dork. I mean, I, my brother owned the Star Trek technical manual. So, you know, I osmosis. I, I pick these things up. I, so Q, I, I'm not completely cold on, on Q. I, I watched The Next Generation as well. I think we're all kind of the same sort of nerdy type guys of around the same age. Um, so I recall him as well and, and had a hand in picking him for the podcast. He was introduced in The Next Generation. He is a member of the Q Continuum, which is this, they're basically omnipotent, which is kind of an amazing thing to put into your your show. It's got to yeah. be kind of a challenge to write around. Um, he appeared in the pilot of uh, The Next Generation Encounter at Farpoint and then was a character that would appear uh, regularly throughout the series. You know, certainly a villain, at least initially, but as always happens when a character, even happened to Freddy Krueger, you know, when they're around long enough, they mm-hmm. sort of soften and mm-hmm. then ultimately become almost lovable in a way. And I feel like that sort of happens to Q. But his, what I remember about him, you know, he was sort of set up as this foil for Picard um, in the sense that Q was judgmental of humanity and Picard was going to prove that we were worthy of of esteem in the galaxy. And he was portrayed very memorably by John Delancey. So that's what I know about Q. Yeah, and if you don't know who John Delancey is, he is the worst air traffic controller in Albuquerque in Breaking Bad. And if you don't know him from that, I guess just picture James Woods without the troublesome politics. He's kind of he's kind of like that. Ooh. Uh, is that an option? Like he, <laughs> I don't unfortunately know. That's past. Um yeah, he's an interesting, as you sort of said, Dan, he kind of softens up. And the first time we meet him, he is literally putting Picard on trial on their very first mission and saying humanity doesn't deserve to exist in the galaxy. It's kind of like a nod to um, uh, the day the Earth stood still, where like an alien species says, You're, you humans are getting too powerful. I don't know if we can trust you. We better test you in some way to see if you can join the rest of us here in the galaxy. And what's cool about him is I think is that that first appearance carries through in, in all of his appearances, even when he's like kind of more lovable, fun, you know, silly cue, everything he does is still some kind of a test of the human condition. 
Yeah, and I think that's rare. You, you you know, you have villains, you got menacing villains, uh, you've got charming villains, you've got funny villains. It's very rare that you get like the whole package. Most recently, like in if you've seen the Hulu show The Great, their depiction of I think it's Peter the Terrible. He is like one of those types of villains, but you don't see him every day. And I think Hugh kind of crushes that because he is he's very menacing on and because he is omnipotent and uh, he's cruel and uh, he doesn't care about killing people to make a point. He doesn't care about, you know, humiliating uh, people. He doesn't care about, you know, the lives of a thousand crew people that he's doing just to make a point to Picard. But he's also really, really funny. And he's also got like a, partic- a, a type of kind of oily charm and sophistication that I find very interesting. And also, it just seems like John Delancey just has the most fun playing him. And yeah, it's a the, terrific uh, a great... uh, meeting of actor to character. Indeed, you know? yeah. It's hard to imagine anybody else playing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's very, very memorable in that way. I think that charm, too, is kind of linked up to the way he interacts with Picard. Like I was, I went back and I watched all of the TNG appearances of Q in preparation for this. You watched and all of them. There's only for like this eight podcast. Of them. Okay. Yeah, okay. It, it just so happens. It just so happens. I've seen almost all of them within the last six months too. And I read <laughs> the Peter David next generation novel Q and law less than six months ago. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So you I really like caught name, me at the, you really the caught name, me on the bounce. The name Q lends mm. itself to so many Star Trek novelization titles. Oh, it's know? it's so fun. It's, it's so easy pun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like I imagine the one where they're you know just doing the tech uh, rehearsal for a play, and it's you know Q to Q. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but like in the first appearance, like he so he comes on board, he he makes himself known to the Enterprise, and at some point, Tasha Yar says she's going to blast him or you do some sort of physical attack on him. And Picard shuts her down. And he kind of really seamlessly just transitions into, well, I I know he's omnipotent. So trying to fight him is irrelevant. The only thing I can do is reason with him in some way. Maybe I can talk him out of annihilating us. And he never gets kind he never complains about it. He never gets frustrated. He just kind of like immediately downshifts into like, okay, we're in diplomacy mode. That's what we're doing. Hmm. And he does that throughout the series. Like he never has to like get rankled by it. Like he just goes like, oh, Q's here. We're going to have to do this intellectually. I think he gets rankled pl- plenty. But well, uh, yeah, know, I guess you you're right. Do? Not <laughs> he gets like vexed. He's like, ah, oh, goddammit, it's cute. Rankled before I yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, he's not happy. Q's there, but he never is like you know. He, he never seems to be like, I wish I could just shoot him. Q. Right. Yeah. He never gets mad funny. to shoot Q. That would be. That would I always be think it's character. funny that like this character is omnipotent and omniscient. Um, like rhetorically gets his ass handed to him by Picard and like a Shakespeare off. You know. Well, that's my question. Actually, I was going to ask you, Aaron. Uh-huh. Is he? He's omniscient as well because he sure doesn't seem super omniscient. Is he like deliberately like not tapping into that (laughs) to make it fair? (laughs) That's a really interesting question because it does seem like if he's not like I that's the other thing is like is he actually omnipotent too? Like does he actually have limitless powers? Because it's virtual omnipotence, right? Like yeah, the rest of the yeah, yeah. like the rest of the Q continuum can check him, can take his powers away, can turn him into a mortal, can punish him. Like that happens. So yeah, and he seems scared of Guinan for some reason that they never fully explain, at least in the show. Yeah, Um, we should say Guinan is the uh, shipboard bartender 
who is played by Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. And she's some sort of species. And like he shows up in one episode and you can tell they've got a history. Huh. And he's genuinely like, you know, upset to see her and like concerned for himself. And she does these magic like uh, uh, Doctor Strange hand gestures at him. And it seems like it's like that might do something, you know. <laughs> Like, right. like she has these defensive like, warding spells and he's not like, what is this joke? He's kind of like, yo, this dangerous creature that you have to guard is well, kind of omnipotent, you know? Yeah, I think they're mm-hmm. just putting that in there and they're like, yeah, maybe we'll do something with it down the road or maybe sure. we won't, you know? Sure. <laughs> yeah. She stabbed him with a fork, so there's that. But he was human then, so. Uh, he says his his IQ is 2005, so at least there's an upper limit on that. Yeah. Yeah. His IQ. <laughs> I think it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like, does he, yeah, does he, does he know everything? Because like, he's, I, how would he know to quote Shakespeare? It's like, how would he possibly know the complete works of Shakespeare to quote? But he does, but he also does it and walks right into like rhetorical traps that, that you know, Patrick Stewart can use as superior Shakespearean knowledge to defeat them. I don't know. But he also knows like obscure, like random facts about the galaxy and what's beyond the galaxy and the the physical laws of the universe but he can't it doesn't look like you can read minds so i guess that's by definition not omniscient i guess i have two theories that are occurring to me right now mm-hmm. on the one hand it's the kind of thing where it's like he is allowing people to win you know mm-hmm. that's the sort of cues as a more powerful figure and then the other idea that occurs to me is that he's also really emotional and yeah. i could see how that could sort of blind him yeah which and, is and weird. Yeah. I guess it's weird because like, I was thinking like the other kind of contradictions. Like um like the encounter at Farpoint, I've always thought, like, why then to challenge humanity? Like when Kirk's going across the galaxy, phasering people, sl- slapping people, double hand f- hammer fisting people, fucking uh can I swear in this podcast? Yeah, please. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> Metal clad Orion slave girls two at a time, like Q sleeps. When uh, (laughs) cultured, mild-mannered, consummate executive Renaissance man Picard ventures tentatively (laughs) into the universe on his first, you know, flagship command, then cues like real shit. You know, like, why was this version of humanity? Did he like get the, did he, uh, was we watching humanity in the 21st century? And then like, by the time they got around to investigating humanity, it doesn't really make sense. And then... You mentioned it like Q's very emotional, but then like I hung with Voyager up until the first appearance of Q there when you meet the continuum and they're like this old dusty town that's run down and everyone's like too bored to get up and, you know, do anything. And like just like like they're defined by ennui because of their omnipotence and omniscience. And it's like, why is does why does Q have so much sauce? Uh, and Q's, you know, like we we saw another Q portrayed by, I forget that guy from Law and Order. Um, uh, it's a, it's a Corbin uh, Benson or whatever from LA yes. Law. Corbin Benson. Yes. yes. Corbin Benson. He's got a lot of that kind of verve too. So it's like. In, Are they younger in, Qs? Is that a possibility? I don't. Well, that's the thing. It's like, how long has Q been Q? Because like, you know, if you go from. Q in the TNG to Q the dusty old omnipotent beings in a in a one horse town kind of and you do that in less than 10 years like you know I imagine you've been this way for at least eons why why the sudden right. change like there shouldn't be any kind of change in a culture that like or if it is a change it happens over millennia not over a course of human life well maybe he's just excited to have these exchanges with Picard because the reason you know maybe it's not about humanity maybe it's about Picard yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because we know that he's obviously very knowledge, maybe not omniscient, but extremely knowledgeable about humanity. Uh-huh. And he decides I'm going to test people to see if they're worthy. And he picks 
maybe the single best human that's ever been produced to test. Right. You know, so he could have picked Kirk and watched him like try and punch his way out. But no, he yeah. says, I want, like you said, the Renaissance man, the, the the world's most ethical, you know, stalwart captain to, to try this on. Right. And I, some part of me enjoys watching because he's got a little bit of that Willy Wonka right. kind of attitude of like, I secretly want you to pass this test. That's kind of what I was getting. I mean, maybe not in the pilot and maybe he wasn't conceived that way or maybe they wanted to move the character into that direction eventually. But that's sort of where he landed, right? Where he almost becomes like a defender of humanity in a weird way while still being like a Mixus Pitlick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the I, I, and I think a lot of these can just be answered by like, it's the show, because also it's weird <laughs> that like, does every starship get visited by Q at some point? Or is it just the command officers of all the main TV shows that Paramount produced from like 1992 to 2000? You know, like right. He's, Q is very knowledgeable about syndication. It's dependent on, on Q's production schedule, really. And I kind of thought like right. Deep Space Nine made sense because Cisco canonically hates Picard. And like, I think that that's like something Q would be like super excited to explore. Like, oh, a Federation captain that thinks Picard's a big dick as I do. But then like, <laughs> yeah, was he was he messing with Janeway out in the Gamma Quadrant or the Delta is yeah, the Delta Quadrant? Uh, right. Yeah. Why, why does he go? Why does he go antagonize Janeway? They're they're like humanity's last outpost. But there again, maybe that's the that's the reason he's attracted over on you know the humanity way outside of where they're supposed to be interesting contradictions in his in his character but it's all you yeah. know the explanation's all it's, it's a tv show and the writers really liked the cue and like what john delancey's doing and they're writing towards the stuff that was funny and engaging and not really necessarily the stuff that made a ton of sense well they really do close out his arc i think but he not only is he in the pilot he's in the finale of yeah. Star Trek, the next generation and he and after all of this kind of tomfoolery they bring back the like more scary, like, no, no, humanity's gonna get annihilated cue. Yeah. And as a way of like kind of bringing this back around and saying, oh no, the trial never ended. You know, it's it's still going on. And in fact, at the even at the end of that episode, it, it ends on a hopeful note of saying the trial never really ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he's there again to be threatening Q. And yeah. uh, I, I like that about it. They sort of really bookended that uh, that story arc well so when he does show up in voyager like he said it's a little like oh well <laughs> oh, we, uh, we had we had a nice again. ending there you know uh, mm-hmm. well this might be a good opportunity to talk about some notable q appearances and you guys are both pretty up on that what's your favorite yeah. doug or do you want me to go um, first wow uh so having watched them i i mean it's hard to go against the the two the first and last episodes but is it Q who the one when he introduces them to the Borg? I'm actually looking up the appearances oh, because like I, I don't know that I don't I, I don't know all the um, episodes chapter and verse because I'm like yeah. is what's the well that's the one I'm thinking of the, is that okay. he, uh, he appears to the Enterprise and says oh you guys think you're hot shit now because you've been roaming the galaxy for a couple of years let me show you something and he takes them out like 7,000 light years from home yeah. way into uncharted space and yeah, that's like, Q Hugh. Yeah, yeah and cute. says, take a look at these guys. Uh, and it's the Borg, which we could do a whole episode on the Borg, but they're arguably maybe one of the scariest Star Trek villains ever created. And they are outmatched entirely. And right. the episode only ends when Picard is, you know, man enough to ask you for help to escape them. Um, but what's cool about that episode is not only is it kind of a cool self-contained episode, but I believe it's um, which Star Trek is it where they go back in time to confront the Borg at Earth? Oh, first oh, contact. Yeah. First, uh-huh, contact. first contact. And I remember there was some way they kind of tied that together to say that, you know, the the only reason that they survived the encounter in first contact was because the encounter with Q gave them time to prepare 
And so the argument was, this is actually Q doing them a favor because he knows that the Federation needs the experience with the Borg to be ah. able to survive that encounter. So I kind of like the the time loop of that. Yeah. And then, but, but there's also, because um, Guinan's opinion at the end of that episode, I believe, was that, like, you guys better get ready because you might not have encountered the Borg for more centuries and you'd be more highly developed but now the borg knows who you are and right. where you're at and now they're going to track you down so it's like you know a little bit of column a a little bit of column b which <laughs> do you do you believe guinan or do you believe because i i don't know that q thinks things through that way but there is some and, and they explore they explore a lot of interesting connections in the novels there's one novel I'm trying to think of um which one this is i think it's q squared where they yes that's the one where they try to retcon um there's in the old series there's this omnipotent like child alien whose name is Trelane. He was in the episode The Squire of Gothos in the old series. And they retcon him to be like an orphan child of the Q that got marooned on this planet. And then, you know, Q kind of tries to find him and Picard gets embroiled in it. And they kind of he tries to like, you know, bring him back into the continuum of old. They do a lot of interesting kind of like world building in the novels and stuff about that. Um that I, I quite enjoy. But you're never really quite sure of whether, like you got, we've, we've been talking about whether Q is the defender of humanity, where he's a persecutor of humanity, prosecutor of humanity, rather. My favorite episode is Cupid. And that's <laughs> the one where Picard's trying to host a archaeological symposium on the Enterprise, because, you know, he's a Renaissance man. <laughs> and his ex-girl, his ex-flame Vosh, kind of like the Indiana Jones swashbuckling heroine of Star Trek, comes to, uh, I don't know, probably steals some artifact and Q kind of like becomes aware that he's got this uh, uh, attraction to her and that he steals the whole bridge crew away and Vosh and puts him in this elaborate Robin Hood fantasy where uh, all the flat, all the uh, bridge officers are like, you know, uh, little John, like uh, Riker's little John. And uh, I forget I all the isn't I think Data's Friar Tuck. Data's Friar Tuck. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Worf has got this ridiculous crimson. Isn't it like he's Will Crimson? Will Scarlet. Will Scarlet. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's got the memorable wharf quote where it's he says, uh, sir, I must protest. I am not a merry man. Um, <laughs> and it's just the most fun. You can uh, Patrick Stewart gets to do uh, stage fighting, sword fighting, and he's having so much fun being Errol Flynn. And they do a lot of like it's also really cool because they set up like Vosh as a damsel in distress. But it turns out that she like saves herself. And like Picard comes in, like sneaking into her window in the tower and tries to save her. And she's like, no, you're fucking things up for me. Get out of here. And it's just got it's it's the most fun, I think, you episode, which is why I guess I I, I like it because it's, it's yeah, it's hard to argue with. Uh, uh, did you say Q Hugh is the one where Q who is the one where he introduces him to the Borg? Right. I want to just yeah. make up Q titles right now. He's like, oh, it was I know it was a cutie pie or cue ball. <laughs> I have a list of all the Q episodes Q-pants, and novels. Uh, what, what was the one? Where- <laughs> I have a list of all of them. Do you want to hear them? And counter Farpoint, that sucks. Yeah. They, they didn't know to start doing it, but they got hide and Q. Uh, that's the Napoleonic war- Warthog alien yeah. episode where Riker gets yep. to power the Q. You got Q Hugh, Q Who, which is where the Borg one. You got uh, Deja Q. Uh, I don't remember which one that is. Cupid, True Q, and then Tapestry, which is the uh, where they go back and analyze uh, Picard's brash 
fight with a bunch of Nausicans in a bar that gets him his artificial oh, heart. Oh, yeah. That's a that great ma- one. I remember that one where Q changes it. And so Picard, because he didn't have that experience, never became a captain. No, nah, he's like this milk toast officer that never yeah. quite has what it takes because he's just so apprehensive. And then you got all good things. And then there's the one Deep Space Nine episode, Q-less. And then Voyager, you have Death Wish, the Q and the Gray, and Q2. Um, and then and there's a bunch of novels, Q and Law, Q, Q Squared. That's where it really gets crazy. That's where like, IQ. the entire genesis <laughs> of the novel was, let's start with the title yep, yep. <laughs> and work our way back. Yep. Q and Law is a good one, though. I just went back and reread it, ordered it used off Amazon. That's where Q tries to court Loxana Troy. Hmm. Deanna Troy's famous you know, telepathic mother and he does it just as a cruel joke to spurn her and somehow she gets the power of the Q um, <laughs> and they have this titanic fight across the galaxy where she just whips his ass back and forth and it's 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 hilarious it's great it's great. There's there's a really good dialogue there where Riker's like kind of pulling his hair. I was like, you know, what are we supposed to do in this situation? Worf, <laughs> Worf just suggests sell tickets. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like just like, there's so many people want to see Q's ass get kicked. Like, you know, start selling tickets. It's the hottest like, hottest ticket in the galaxy. I think his ass does get kicked a bit in Deja Q, which is the, I believe that's the one where he is stripped of his powers and uh, he has to like do a selfless act to convince the Q he's worthy to come back. I think I, th- I think that's Deja Q. Deja Q might be in his um, true Q. That's the one where he finds there's a half Q child that was born and he tries to teach her the ways of the Q. Right. Yeah. 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 Doesn't she fall in love with Riker or something? Does she? Oh, yeah. That's she has this right. weird, she tra- yeah. She's this weird crush on Riker. She tried to make she, him love her or something. Yeah. Yeah. And she realizes it's wrong because she's just, you know, using her power to make him do whatever she wants. Yeah. But she does ultimately decide to join the Q at the end, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. is Q a villain? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he is. He's, yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's an antagonist for sure. Yeah. You definitely believe at various points that, like, he is willing to let either the bridge crew or humanity as a whole die. And he there's several you know, people that blocked. do die. Like, like an episode where uh, the we first meet the Borg, like, they bisect the Enterprise and, like, take 16 decks out of it. And they right. mention that there was, like, 18 casualties or whatever involved in that. So, like, there's definitely, you know, if you want to lay all the deaths of the Borg at his feet in, in Federation space, like, you know, shit, Wolf 359 uh, had to kill thousands of Federation personnel. So, like... Never forget. Yeah. Yeah, Wolf 359. I do think that, yeah, he's definitely... He's a charming, likable, funny guy. But, yeah, this like that menace never goes away because, you know, he's kind of like Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. Even when you're laughing at him, it's like he can just... You know, anytime he wants, blink you out of existence and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, they never let you forget that he is omnipotent and that as much as he's joking and being kind of silly and we know as an audience, well, it's syndicated TV. He's not going to do too much damage. Right. But then again, like you said, the collateral damage he might cause or the trouble he might cause for them or for others. He's so blasé about it. And he can afford to be because he's omnipotent and he's part of the Q continuum. So well, I think the question you know. maybe is what makes a villain a villain? Because he's clearly an antagonist. He's at cross purposes with our heroes. But, you know, you and I, Doug, we've never like sat down and worked out what we think makes a villain a villain. What makes well, usually it's obvious we're, for the moniker. Well, usually we're talking about like Idi Amin or Jack the Ripper, and it's not too subtle. <laughs> it's like, right. oh, yeah, they killed a bunch of fuckers. You know, they, right. I mean, maybe it's they that it. being sort of indifferent mm-hmm. to the damage you're doing in, in the pursuit of your goals. Well, that's neutral evil. I mean, that's, you know, that's where we kind of end up, right? That's, you know, someone like Capone, who's, you know, happy to just do what he needs to do to get where he wants to get. Or the one we talked about last week, which was Iago. Like, Iago is... 
is small potatoes in Shakespeare's plays in terms of the, the kinds of damage he's doing, but he's utterly amoral to what it well, to those those problems. That villainy he is sort of an abuse of power, and Q is all powerful, right? And yeah. he's you know what does he use it for? Well, we've talked about some instances here that could be interpreted as benevolent, but like you said, he's also not above just causing havoc and casualties. And when he got turned into human, like there was many civilizations lining up to like, you know, the Enterprise found like an energy cloud civilization was just in the neighborhood wanting to kill him. And he confessed the reason that they were doing that is because he tormented them. He used them as playthings. And that's like the but it's it's wild because like is a child that burns ants with a magnifying glass a villain? You to know, the ants, definitely. To the ants, right. definitely. Us, it's like, oh, it's kind of weird. Maybe if you explain, you know, but uh, that's it's does he see us as the same kind of sentient creature willing you know the, the, does he extend does he think us as, of us as like ants or does he think of us as like potential peers in a couple millennia like I, I i don't know like if he sees it as the latter then he's like you know clearly villainous but if you want to take like some kind of weird perverted god look at the world and say like well you know he's you know the, all, all these lesser carbon-based life forms are just you know who cares they live for a nanosecond of time and their lives are kind of meaningless anyway like does you know does he see himself as a villain i always think of him as being very linked to picard but as you mentioned they did write him in whenever they could into the other series what was his relationship like with cisco and janeway and i don't know if he was ever anywhere else but it was was, that's that's a great because i hadn't watched the uh, deep space nine episode um i remember he's still a shit to everyone um (laughs) the 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 voyager one is interesting because it was more of like an exploration of the continuum itself and like what is their whole deal and it was a little bit like i said more sympathetic because you you know far from being like the self-congratulatory ultimate powerful you know guys are just going around the galaxy being shits they just seem like they were just utterly devoid of any kind of like motivation or there was nothing new to learn or new to do and maybe that was one of the, i think that that's one of the things that like janeway realizes maybe the attraction to humanity is we still had that civilizational gas the like the, the striving to be better and improve yourself that they had just lost because you know they had achieved some kind of perfect static society but yeah i think it was always adversarial for sure for sure mm-hmm. i remember catching the pilot when it first aired and i was a lot younger of deep space nine and or maybe it wasn't the pilot but or maybe does he show up in the pilot or does he show up a little bit later i first don't season? think he should no i think he shows up um it's the sixth episode of the first season okay so and i definitely just remember, cranking out know, the hits yeah he yeah. creates this like boxing ring and cisco just socks him in the face and he's like you know picard never hit me and they were like, oh, like okay right. this is how I'm, it's going to be different you know, this yeah, is the guy yeah, who's yeah, yeah. willing to punch you <laughs> i'm looking at this synopsis and I, Vosh shows up in this episode. Hmm. I got to watch hmm. this episode again because I completely I, I remember that thing about like Picard never hit me and it's like Cisco's like I'm not Picard because that was still early in the first season where that was one of his defining things is that he kind of hated Picard. Yeah I'm not Picard and then I believe Q responds yes you're far more easy to uh, yeah. whatever it is. To, 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 wind up. Yeah something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have to watch uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Those are gaps in my Star Trek knowledge. Do you have to watch Voyager? A lot of people <laughs> made the argument for me throughout the run of Picard, and I kept on coming back. Do I have to? Do I have to watch Voyager? I have to watch 250-some episodes. Doug, yeah. just Mediocre the Salamander track. episode. That's the only one you got to watch. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, best one. All right. <laughs> I actually, uh, I, in college, I spent an hour uh, in a room with Kate Mulgrew 
And I felt like an ass because I'm like, I loved Star Trek The Next Generation. Like, it was foundational for me, and I never watched Voyager. And now I know, like, I'm sitting across from Captain Janeway, and I have no, like, I can't ask her a Star Trek question. She taught me uh, drama. I'm not kidding. When I was in elementary school, she had kids in the school in my fancy Brentwood elementary school, and she came and, like, taught some drama classes. See, wow. that was kind of how, how I met her. And I was taking a, a drama class at college at UCLA. And there was a class on Ibsen, and I guess she had done an Ibsen play. She'd done Had a Gobbler, and the professor brought her in to just you know, talk to us about it. And all I can think of was like, it's Janeway, and I have nothing to say. It's funny, <laughs> it's and this terrible. was pre-Janeway when I encountered her. Much like okay. when, <laughs> this is such a fancy school, when Jeff Bridges <laughs> came with us on a field trip, because his daughter was in my class. And uh, this is before so many things. I was like, it's the guy from Tron. This, this, this is just like my school in the middle of a cornfield. Uh, <laughs> boy, I tell you what. So yeah. many famous people. Oh, boy. Uh, we got to see a fireman once. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're still talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That day all right. Well, uh, uh, maybe we should... Uh, Keep rolling along here because I know we only have Aaron for a little bit. So yeah, so we should move on to uh, the the alignment. I think this is this is actually a little harder to help. But Aaron, I'm I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, the D and D alignment. So we we like <laughs> oh, to yeah. figure out where our uh, where our villain of the week falls on that spectrum. Ooh, do you want me to go first? Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go. Boy, it, it's hard. It's either chaotic evil or chaotic neutral. I don't think you could, uh, but that's that's my that's my initial opening uh, uh, ar- argument. You know, we never uh, do that, Doug. We never put the roulette chip down between a couple of numbers. Yeah, chaotic neutral. Because sometimes we do, but I, he said I, it so succinctly: chaotic neutral. Yeah, because is he evil? Because can you fairly describe him as evil? Um, he's a little like um, we, he's we did. Um, yeah, we did Cthulhu a few episodes back, and it was the kind of the same thing where it's like that alignment depends a lot on the the character's intent, and his his mm-hmm. actual intent is really hard to to actually get a, your hands around. So well, the other thing that tough. Cthulhu has in common with Q is this ant analogy. You know, once again, you kind of come into this. Yep. Yeah, he's so mm-hmm. far beyond us. I mean, is it? Yeah. 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 I I, t- I tend to think of him as chaotic just because. Neutral evil tends to kind of be all about his own ends, and Q doesn't seem to have any. He doesn't need any ends. He's already om- omnipotent, you know. He, so he just he's just doing this for fun. Plus, he's a renegade by continuum standards. Like right. you know, he can't be lawful because it, to the extent that they have an ethical code, he violates it to, to enough to get the ultimate penalty from the Q. So, which is thrown out of the continuum. So he can't. Yeah, he can't be lawful. Actually, it's like the, the ultimate penalty. They can. They they can like erase you right they can like kill you yeah i guess you could un you can unmake them yeah you can you can strip them of their q powers and you can do that but i think there's also the threat of like we can obliterate you yeah i bet uh yeah i mean if they they can turn him human and then his that human can die then i don't know why you could (laughs) could just like i guess that's true Mm -hmm. yeah that's the ultimate but that's the thing is like i feel like um old corbin from la law was going to let that happen until you know q kind of uh pulled up a card in the borg episode and and begged for his life and said that he'd he'd learn oh he oh he that's right he proved himself with a selfless act that's what was the he was yeah, going to sacrifice himself. For, yeah, he stole a space shuttle. He stole us because Picard was going to be hell bent on resisting this alien life form trying to kill him until their shields were down. And Q stole a sp- space shuttle and, and and left Enterprise covertly. I think he had to disable data to do it, too, and was going to offer himself up so the, the Enterprise would be spared. And that uh, annoyed Corbin from L.A. Law Q because he was <laughs> hoping that he would die. But now the Q continuum is like, oh, look, he's making a selfless. Now things are muddy. I'm going <laughs> to. 
<laughs> gonna have to give you your powers back. And that's the ulti- also accusing ultimate shit because the second he got his powers back, he like materialized that cloud in his hand and is like, oh, you thought I fucked with you before. And then <laughs> mm-hmm. Corbin Q's stuck his head through the hull of the shuttlecraft and said, nah, you can't do that, Q. And so <laughs> I don't know. I feel like chaotic neutral because like you said i think that's the whole thing intent you can't with these godlike beings it's really really hard unless they're like a duality like a god satan thing i would trend towards chaotic with him but it's like a very mischievous light chaotic he's not there to torture everybody but he's definitely there to fuck with everybody yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i could i could get i can get behind that Uh, and then one other thing we do on the show is we like to fan cast so assuming you can't have john delancey and i'm gonna take james woods off the board too um uh who who would you cast as q if we had to recast him today oh man that's always a tough one to throw at somebody cold so i've got one one you should you should eat up some time while aaron thinks about it yeah the the one i came up with when i was thinking about it was uh, Keith David because I think he's got something he's a little different than John Delancey but he's also he's ex- he can be extremely charming and menacing I mean uh, he's not a little different he's very different than John Delancey yeah but, well but he but I think he can Keith do David, both by of the way things. what would you say is his icon I mean he was the voice of Spawn he was in uh, work the like, thing, what you, what you, right uh, you got, he's Carpenter in the thing uh, he's the bad guy from Disney's The Princess and the Frog mm-hmm. uh, he's his voice uh, well that's true the, so US, that is the US president on Rick and Morty Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. yeah, he's done a lot of VO stuff. Too. I mean, I love Keith David. He's an interesting choice, Doug. So I'd like to hear more mm-hmm. about your. No, I just choice. was trying to picture someone who would like bring a different energy, but also had like the core, like again, kind of both charm and menace. Since you need both, mm-hmm. uh, and and he just popped into my head as like, oh yeah, he can be extremely, you know, either of those things when he needs to be. Well, I like that choice because it's always good when you have an actor who's so associated with a role to then go like, we're not going to try to recreate that. Let's just try to do something that's different that that can honor some of the elements. Mm-hmm. And I believe all the Q that have been shown have been white people, which is a little strange. So uh, Q, I'm, you know, racist. Or the, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> oldest, short country, for Q oldest and whitest country mean. club in the universe. <laughs> yep. They are omnipotent, and yet they somehow just choose white actors. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, it's funny. I would go. <laughs> I think that's a good answer. My the one that popped in my head just now is I'm going to defy what I just said and go in the same direction and be like Jim Carrey. Yeah, I could see him doing that. I, I mean, it, again, it, I could see him being an even kind of more silly version of Q. Although um, in his older age, time. you know, Jim Carrey's gotten. More pathos. Yeah, that's true. I could see him trying to find a way to like bring in a little more of the like, you know, whatever his motives actually are, whether it is like just they are cosmically bored or maybe there's something going on in the continuum behind the scenes and we get a little little of their politics. I could see him. And if I can defend my answer, I will say that Jim Carrey is sort of living a Q-like existence where he came into power very young and you've sort of watched him become kind of bored with it mm-hmm. and explore other things and like yeah. you know I'm, I'm sort of aware of that journey that he's on for some reason so <laughs> he might be able to identify with it on some plus level. he had that powerful trickster god kind of energy in the, the mask there it is yeah yeah so uh aaron do you have any other uh actors you might think of for the role uh, I I wanted actually as I, my my first thought when you put me on the spot I was like oh I'm just gonna go with Nicholas Holt because uh, oh yeah you know, okay I, I just saw him on the great and he's such a great kind of like charming turn on a dime powerful shit um, but what about um, the other person that this year that have been done doing a lot of work that impressed me um, in uh, the new Pope and just the Space Force I just watched that last week uh, John Malkovich 
Hmm. Because he's got this like where he's got that dry, sly kind of too cool for school humor. And he's also very good at like destroying people with like looks and intellectualism that he's got. I think it would be interesting to see him paired against like Patrick Stewart in in his prime. I think John Malkovich always seems like he's got something up his sleeve. You know what I yeah. mean? He has that energy. Yeah. I would like to see a John Malkovich cue. And he certainly bedeviled Clint Eastwood in in the line of fire. <laughs> a younger John Malkovich. Yeah. yeah. He's Clint Eastwood's foil. And that just leaves our title fight. So, Aaron, the other thing we, we do on the show is we take our current villain of the week, pit them against the previous week's villain, oh boy. and try and figure out who would win. And now, this <laughs> is an interesting. Sometimes it produces really great matchups. Other yeah. times you're like, oh, mm, we didn't think this through. This seems <laughs> like it's over in a nanosecond. In plank, in plank time, is this contest over? <laughs> yeah. This, this one, one actually, actually, this one's actually kind of interesting, even if it's going to probably go to the omnipotent being. Well, so the, the villain we did last week, I, I mentioned before, is uh, Iago from Shakespeare's Othello, mm-hmm. who is a uh, he's certainly one of the most clever villains we've done. Yeah, he's also and kind of a kindred spirit in a way, right? He's a he, manipulator. He's very much so. And he's also like, I mean, if Picard can outsmart Q, then I could see Iago doing that. But the difference is Picard comes in with like ultimate ethical power and Iago has none. So it's, it is kind of interesting. Like, how would Q test that? You know, how well, would he do and, it? And I'll just say that Iago's power is words. So if he right. could somehow get inside Q's head, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, like that, but like I think of, um, you know, Q's fascination with Vosh, that she was kind of like this lawless, lying person that can take advantage of people and think quick on her feet. And he like and it essentially co-opted her as like his uh, sidekick or vice versa. So like a sufficiently sophisticated, verbally dexterous villain, he might just like, hey, let's uh, let's roll up. Hey, you want you want a little taste of the Q power? I want to see what you can do. Well, that's certainly a possibility. I could see Iago um, getting Q to like turn on Iago's enemies, <laughs> mm-hmm. get inside his head, speak his language and like, you know, use him that way. Uh, that's definitely yeah. yeah in his wheelhouse for sure. The other thing is I thought about there's that episode that we mentioned briefly where Q grants Riker the powers of the Q sure. as sort of a test of like, well, absolute power corrupts absolutely, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and Riker resists it. But I could see Q, uh, Iago finding a way to get Q to like give it to him. So, you know, no, you should give me those powers. I promise I'll use them for good. And then once he's got them, turning on Q. We also know that Q apparently has some sort of gaps in his Shakespeare knowledge. (laughs) Right. Some sort of of weaknesses there. That's true. (laughs) This guy seems all right. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't read this one. I'm sure he's fine. (laughs) Everyone calls him honest the whole place. Uh He's going to be okay. Yeah. All right. Well, great. And so uh, uh, is there anything, Aaron, that we should know about Q? Anything we haven't addressed that we should throw out there? Or alternatively, like what makes him endure? I mean, I think he's got it all. He's got an iconic look like in Encounter of Farpoint that like 20 or mid 20th first century post-apocalyptic court judge is. Yeah, the hat. Yeah, like this like evil pope judge guy. He's like got all the cool uniforms. He's like, you know, uh, he's he does just fun stuff like spawning a mariachi band on the Enterprise and getting everybody cigars. And <laughs> he's sexing great for up. gifs. Online yeah, gifs. Se- <laughs> se- sexing up uh, Worf with the the human babes and the Klingon babes. It's he's 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 a lot of fun. And I'm, and honestly, season two of Picard, I've heard that 
Delancey, kind of like Brent Spiner, doesn't want to play because it anymore because it's like I've just aged out of the role. Like this guy's supposed to be this uh, ageless, omnipotent thing, and like I'm this old ass dude. I think it'd be cool to see him recast as per our suggestion and come back for season two of Picard because. You could explain it like, well, I just, you know, I just decided it was time for change. You know, right, like, why right. do you look? He's different? got that Doctor mm-hmm. Who, yeah, uh, in story ability. It's like, oh, like come on, Picard. It's been thirty years. Every, <laughs> everyone changes their look up at you. You know, <laughs> you're you're a right. bald old man back in the Enterprise D, and you're a bald old man now with the La, La Serena. I, I can almost I can almost hear the dialogue, and I I just think that just because John Delancey's too old to play it, I would love the that's no reason not to. I mean, look how well J.J. Abrams recast the original series. Like, you know, you can say what you will about some of the later sequels to that, but like that crew is pretty amazing, like spot on as far as like embodying the spirit and like the physical characteristics of the mm-hmm. original crew. Mm-hmm. And I think you you could either go with like someone that does a really good John Delancey impersonation and has an energy or you could kind of go like what we've done and, and, and go in different directions. But I kind of think it's time to bring back Q. I love it. I, I You've sold me on the idea. Season season two of Picard. We need Q. So make right. Star Hashtag. Trek fun again. <laughs> Hashtag. Uh, yeah. Now, now I need to come up with the Q pun. Q. <laughs> Oh, uh, what would it be? Return Q, Q, re, Q Descender. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, this is great. This is our call to action for our listeners. What is the hashtag pun to bring back Q? We want to know. Qternal. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I obviously don't have it in me. We need to workshop it. Need <laughs> yeah, to take we'll, it back we'll, and we'll round table it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that that's uh, I, yeah, I think that would be fun. So you, you saw me on an A run, and again, I just want to reiterate what you said earlier that uh, is resonant about him is that he's all those things. He's scary. He's funny. He makes sense. He's charming. He's got it all. Yeah, One of very few like people he- that could befuddle Picard, like you know, have him at a loss for words and just utterly consternated. Um, you know, like he's the, uh, normally unflappable Picard. One of the reasons I think uh, that, that Cupid episode is so good is because it's got the intersection of all of Picard's insecurities. Oh, oh my God, uh, my command crew is going to find out I'm a human. I've got a, a lover. And now and, and Q's involved. Like if Loxana Troy showed up, it would be like the sum of all his fears. <laughs> so like there's not a lot of villains. Like think about all like... Um, yeah, it's essentially the Borg and the Q that can can rattle Picard, and that's it. And he was the one that we thought of when we were like, okay, let's do Star Trek. Well, what's the big villain out of Star Trek? He was the first one that we thought of. So either that or Khan. You know, those are the two the two big ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that that about does it. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, that, that covers everything we wanted to cover about Q. Uh, Aaron, I can't thank you enough for taking time out to do this with us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, thanks for thinking of me, Doug. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm always happy to talk Star Trek and villainy. <laughs> Yeah. And one more time, where can we find you, Aaron? Baldmove.com. Right now, uh, we're doing, because there's not a lot of new television coming out, uh, but we are excited about the new season of Dark, season three of Netflix. We're going to be doing some public coverage of that. Uh, we're also going and doing a retrospective of season nine of The Walking Dead. Uh, and we also uh, cover a movie each week on baldmove.com. Uh, so if that sounds like a good idea or a good time, uh, head over to baldmove.com and check us out. Awesome. All right. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. Take care. Uh, all right, Aaron is gone, and here we are doing our admin. Yeah, just wanted to wrap this up real quick and say uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, if you do have feedback, please send it to us at our Twitter handle, which is at 
podcast but evil uh we'd love to hear from you uh, also please drop us a review on uh, the old itunes uh, if you can because that's a great way to help increase our visibility and of course tell a friend tell people you know that you had fun listening to this and, and bring them on board uh, and because- we want to hear your q hashtags so please send them mm-hmm. to us mine i thought of it's not great but is hashtag get in the queue <laughs> to, oh, we didn't even think Q. of like British like Q puns. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Because Make even though so. even though Picard is French, he's really British. So yeah, <laughs> get in the Q. And yep. uh, I'd love to hear your hashtags for season two of Picard to get Q on the show. Right. And next week we're we're really doing a departure for us, something we've never tried. We're going to do a sports villain next time. We're doing the Iron Sheik. Oh, that's right. The Iron yeah. Sheik. So. <laughs> I was like, we're going to a sports villain. OJ Simpson? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger. There's, yeah, there's no, I guess there's no shortage of sports villains who have done very, very bad things in real life. But we yeah, were but thinking this is more of, more of a, a sports a heel. heavy. Yes, a heel. Yeah. So uh, look for that next time. And uh, uh, until then, gentlemen, to evil. Clink. Clink. Okay, I got it. So there's that Broadway show, Avenue Q. So uh, the hashtag is hashtag Avenue Q. Eh? You obtuse piece of flotsam.